Today, I'm going to talk about joy. Uh, what is it and how do we sustain it, no matter what is happening to us or around us? Uh, there's a number of things that have brought me joy over the course of this year. Uh, and I could name many things. I could talk about my trip to Thailand, for example, which was a fantastic experience. Uh, I could talk about some of the great holidays that I had with my wife, Kate, and the kids. And that, that was fantastic. We're going on one tomorrow. Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. But, but the one thing that I choose to mention this morning uh, that has brought me great joy was the staff, uh, New Penn staff uh, table tennis tournament, uh, which we have uh, every year. Uh, now, we actually started it 12 months ago, so at the end of last year, uh, and we, had a, we, we bought a trophy for it. We've named the trophy the Glenda Holbrook Trophy uh, in honour of uh, uh, Pastor Glenda Holbrook, who served on the pastoral team here for 24 years, only just finished up in October. Uh, and so we, we, we named this trophy, and, and last year I didn't happen to win it, um, but this year I, I did manage to win it, and it, and it brought me great joy. Uh, and now, the, it's been a very busy time for the staff team, and, uh, and so they need to be, I guess, with all the, the, the different things going on, you know, we had our Christmas production last week, and a whole lot of our, it's been a busy, stressful time, and I'm a bit concerned that they might forget um, what's actually happened, so I've changed my email signature um, to Paul Crothers, Senior Pastor and winner of the Glenda Holbrook Trophy. <laughs> It's brought me a great amount of joy. It's, it's been, been fantastic, except uh, my joy has been somewhat short-lived. Uh, because uh, a few days after having won the tournament, uh, we actually had just uh, announced uh, there was a, a little staff gathering. They were having morning tea and most of the staff were there. We've just put on Kira on staff at New Penn one day a week to help Andy out in the youth ministry, uh, which is great. I shared this news with the, the staff team and say, look, this is Kira, we're bringing you on, this is great. And, and they started just, they all smiled like this and had a little chuckle. And, and what I didn't realise is that Kira is a gun table tennis player. And so my joy has been somewhat short-lived as I anticipate being uh, holding the Glenda Holbrook trophy for a relatively short amount of time. But Kira, wherever you are, um, I'm already in training. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I will be, I promise. Uh, though I don't think it's going to help me very much. But what does it look like for our joy to be more than just short-lived? We talked this morning about how our kids got up early this morning. My kids are now more in that teenage category, so it's more around 7 a.m. It's a little bit more civilised than the parents of those who have got younger kids who are getting up at... Um, I had one, uh, one person... Came, <laughs> this is a funny story, actually. So um, one person who had an old, a younger cousin, so the older cousin was there, younger cousin was next to them, and the younger cousin wanted to wake up at 2 a.m. Uh, this morning and kept uh, this, I think, 17-year-old, 18-year-old maybe, up from 2 a.m. That was, that was very funny. <laughs> but, but it's happening. And, and that season of life has passed. But, but what, what actually happens when you see um, your kids starting to, you know, open up their presence? There's this joy, you know. Like, so so there, there's different levels of joy this morning for us in our household. Um, there were like lots of bags of Skittles and other lollies and that sort of stuff. And that caused a great amount of joy for some. There was other products like skincare products, which uh, bring no no joy to me whatsoever, but brought a lot of joy to others. And, and so it's really interesting. But the joy is short-lived because tomorrow we wake up, it's a new day and we sort of move on. You know, the Skittles get consumed and, and whatever else. And, and the joy is, is short-lived. 
And so today as we open up this passage which Kate shared from Luke chapter 2, this quite amazing story of Jesus just a few days old coming along his path and, and with Mary and Joseph and they're interrupted a couple of times by an older guy called Simeon and then an older lady called Anna and, and, and <laughs> just lost my train of thought, it's never happened to me before. <laughs> so they're coming along their way, this passage. Simeon and Anna, interrupting Jesus. And yet both Simeon and Anna, within themselves, there was this joy that was bubbling up over getting to meet the baby Jesus. And so today, what I want to explore is what does it look like for us to experience a joy that's not short-lived, but that's sustaining, that's lasting, no matter what the circumstances we are that confront us. So there's three things I'm going to explore quite quickly this morning that will help us to experience this joy. Three words, they all start with the letter H. The first one is halt, halt. Mary and Joseph and Jesus are coming along their way. And all of a sudden, they're halted by these two individuals. They, they had to stop their way. I remember when our eldest, who's now 16, going on 17, and, and when she was just born, just a few days old, and we're bringing her out of the hospital, and um, the comic Ben Elton says that having a newborn and bringing a newborn into your home is like introducing a midget terrorist into the house. <laughs> and and I, I, remember, I remember this, and I remember how, how nervous we were. We'd only been in the hospital, Kate and, and our child had only been in the hospital for about 48 hours. And then, you know, out you go, you're all good, um, but there's still so much to learn. Hang on, what, what's going on here? We're parents and we were really nervous and we're going out along the way and, and then we got interrupted. Someone that we knew just happened to be in the car park of the hospital. And of course, they wanted to come up and they wanted to hold the baby and talk to us. And we ended up having a conversation that went for about half an hour and, and we're just not, not really feeling it at the moment. We didn't desire this interruption. And I wonder what it was like for Mary and Joseph, just really young, newbie parents. They've got Jesus, he's just a few days old, he's eight days old. And they're walking along and they experience these two interruptions. But they halted what they were doing. And it became a pattern all through Jesus' life, how often he would halt what he was doing to attend to that which was in front of him. One day he was teaching in a house and all of a sudden the roof above him started to open up and cave in and he was interrupted by a lame man who needed healing. Another time he was out amongst the crowds and a woman grabbed onto his cloak and touched him. It was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, interrupted what he was doing. Another time he was asleep in a boat, getting some well-earned R&R, but the storms came up. And the disciples woke him up. His sleep was interrupted so that he could calm the stormy seas. All through the New Testament, we read how Jesus again and again was interrupted and how he allowed himself to be interrupted. He halted what he was doing in order to attend that which was in front of him at the time. I'm a big believer in the the divine interruption. This is something I've learned over time. When we were living in Gisborne, we, we moved here about two years ago, and we were living in Gisborne, and 
Gisborne's a small town of about 12,000 people and if you live there for any length of time and you get involved in the local community, you become known and you know lots of people in the community. And um, we had this little joke where um, I'd say to my kids, yeah, I'm just going down the shops to get some milk, right? A job that should take about five minutes and my kids would say, we'll see you in two hours, Dad. And that's what it was like. But, but I learned over time, you have to be open to the interruption. The task that's in front of you, yeah, that's important, but so is the person. And we have to have open eyes, open ears to that which God is doing in us and around us so that we're open to that interruption, to halting what we're doing, to be able to attend to that which is in front of us. But there's another aspect of this halt that I think is really important. And as we look at the life of Jesus, we can see that there's another principle at play around this. Now, I'm a keen gardener. My wife, Kate, is an even keener gardener than I. And, and, and so she, and, and to a lesser extent myself, has spent quite a bit of time in the garden, in the rental that we live in at the moment. We're currently building a new home, but we've got this rental. We've been there for almost two years. And when we moved in, there was a number of areas which were allocated for a garden, but there was no garden. And so we've just slowly and surely chipped away where we could, we didn't, because, you know, it's a rental, we don't want to spend a lot of money, so we, wherever we could steal plants from other people, you know how you do that, you take those little cuttings from, no, did I just say that? I think I, think I might have, I'm not sure. Um, whenever you can borrow from, uh, from other people, um, and we did that, we've done that, and so we, we, in time, we've actually got quite a great little garden going. It's a small garden because it's a rental and we're in a unit, but, it, but it's, it's really good. Now, all through winter, uh, as we've put plants in, you know, 12 months ago, and all through our winter where we had this very long, cold and wet winter that actually included spring as well. Do you remember that? Six months of winter we had. Uh, the plants in our garden were dormant. They, they didn't grow at all. And I'm thinking, I don't think these plants are ever going to grow. And then as December's hit, and the rain has continued, but the sun's come out, the weather's got warmer, and all of a sudden the joint has just exploded with growth. And we've spent days over the last week or so in the garden having to, to trim and to weed and to do all the stuff that you do, and it's looking really amazing. Jesus had a pattern in his life where he often would withdraw. In fact, in the New Testament, it's described 25 times, 25 different occasions where Jesus goes off to pray. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it actually says that on multiple occasions, frequently, regularly, Jesus would withdraw, would, would withdraw to pray. And there was a rhythm, if you like. Yes, there was a high level of activity. There were seasons of doing, of growth, of absolutely going like the wind. And yet there were also seasons for Jesus where he stopped. He halted. He withdrew. He found those places of stillness, of silence, of solitude. It's interesting, isn't it? We do live in such a busy society where we're told and I guess modelled to us again and again, we've got to be doing, we've got to be doing, it's, it's all about the activity, it's all about getting the next task done, it's all about being productive and all those things are good. But we're more like plants than we are machines. And we're designed to have periods of dormancy as well as periods of growth and activity. So if you want to find a sustaining joy, 
today. Halt. Halt. See what God's doing in and around you. Attend to that which is in front of you, but also withdraw and find that space and that place of silence and prayerful solitude. Another letter that starts with H, which I think is helpful in us understanding joy, is the the word heartache. Heartache. This is an interesting one. Often we think that if we decide to follow Jesus and we become a Christian, then everything's just going to be wonderful from that moment onwards. Uh, Sometimes we're even told that. I had a what I could only describe as a relatively charmed upbringing. In fact, for the first 20 years or so of my life, nothing really went wrong. And life was good. And as I began to grow in my faith, my mind, just it was, I guess, natural in a way, but my mind went, well, you know, because I'm following Jesus, God's just looking after me, and that's why everything's good. And that, I guess, understanding and that theology, that worked really well until a moment of time when it wasn't good. What do you do when you sit in those moments of absolute heartache? And there will be people today for whom this Christmas is the first one. Where someone that they loved is no longer with them. There'll be people in this room today and with us online for whom over the last 12 months there's been a fracturing of a relationship with a loved one and it's just not the same that it was. And though today is a day of great joy, there sits for many of us just below the surface. And so what do we do with that? Well, it's interesting in this passage, we come across this this lady, Anna, and and there's not much actually described of Anna other than that she was 84 years old. She'd been a widow for a very long time because she'd only been married for seven years before her husband had passed away. And in a society and a culture where it was not easy to be on your own, where there was no social welfare safety net, where often many would think that if you had lost your husband at such a young age that there was something wrong with you and you were judged accordingly. Here's a woman that knew heartache. And we see in Simeon, And he says all these amazing things about Jesus. And he then turns to Mary. And he says to Mary, a sword will pierce your soul also. See, Mary would know heartache.
I look at what's described in Hebrews chapter 11, this, this, this great chapter about the, the heroes of the faith. And it mentions a whole lot of characters from the Old Testament, which were extraordinary men and women of God who did so much, who were so faithful and God used them in powerful ways. And yet if you look through those names that are mentioned, every single one of them, you can identify in their lives if you study it, study it periods and times of heartache. I look at Jesus' disciples. Every single one of them but one would be killed for their faith. And the one who wasn't died in jail. The reality is that a a thinking or a theology that says that experiencing heartache somehow makes you a a lesser Christian is what I call codswallop. It's the reality of the human condition. And yet somehow in the heartache, there is possible for a transition to occur where we move away from heartache and move towards joy. And this is where we find hope. This is where we find hope. We have journeyed over these last three years incredibly difficult times. Though there were some in the area of epidemiology that predicted there would be a worldwide pandemic at some stage. I don't think any of us really paid much attention to that until it started to happen. And we experienced the best part of two years of lockdown. And then we came out of lockdown and and that's great, that's wonderful, but then the virus has been allowed to run in a way that it wasn't previously able to and that has caused continual disruption difficulty and challenge over the past 12 months. In fact, I've had a number of conversations just this morning with people whose Christmas has been significantly interrupted as a result of COVID. It continues on. It's been an incredibly difficult and challenging time. And yet we have in Jesus the possibility of great There's a few ways we can see this transition occur where we move from the idea of heartache to hope. One of them is to start expressing gratitude, to start expressing thankfulness to God for what he has actually done for us. I'm grateful for a wife who is loving and supportive and caring. I'm grateful for three kids who give me a hard time about getting older reminding me constantly of this reality. But in their cheekiness and spunk, they're three amazing and beautiful kids. I'm grateful for the opportunity to live here on the Mornington Peninsula, to live amongst some of the most amazing creation in one of the best countries, if not the best country in the entire world. I'm grateful. 
I'm grateful that I get to call this church my church family. A people who together we're going on this journey of faith, seeking God and trying to understand his ways and his plans for each of us. I'm so grateful. You see, there's a transition that occurs as you, you start to express gratitude. You, you move away from that heartache, thought more towards hope. But, but even that in its own is, is not quite enough. There's something more that's required. Something else. I love the names that are given to Jesus. Both in the Old Testament and the New, there are, there are many different names given to Jesus. But the one name that I love more than any other is the name Emmanuel. God with us. You see, there's this opportunity that we have to know God. And to be known by him. And so today, on this day, at the front of our minds is the picture of a baby in a manger. But we know that the story doesn't just stop there. In fact, that's just the start of the story. This is God. Humbling himself becoming like us so that in the relationship that's possible, we can discover forgiveness, friendship, a freedom and a fullness of life that is otherwise not possible. So I invite the worship band to come forward. I believe there is reason for us to be joyful today. Yes, there are aspects of life that are challenging at times. Yes, there will be many of us that are sitting, even today, in those moments of heartache. But as we halt, as we step away a little bit from the activity and the doing, as we just allow ourselves to be, to be present with him who is present with us, what we begin to discover is a hope. And out of that hope comes a sustaining joy that no one person and no one set of circumstances can take away.